And everybody said, oh, isn't that cute? Isn't that cute? All right. 20 shopping days left until Christmas. And if you shop on Sunday, that's 24 days. Are you ready? Are you ready for it? I'll tell you, folks, we are, uh, our house is all decorated, ready to go. And uh, I don't know about you, but every year we keep saying, well, we're going to do things different next year because by the time the season's done, we're worn out. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Say amen. Yeah, just three of us. Okay. Uh, but it's on our minds, isn't it? This, this morning as I was getting ready for uh, church, I, um, I was shaving and somehow I cut the end of my nose. And uh, I don't shave my nose. I really don't. But somehow, you know, when I was getting from over to, from this side to this side, I kind of caught my nose in the middle. And uh, I was... Uh, I was I didn't think it was that bad until I got into the, glor- into the car and Gloria says, looked at me and said, well, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. So it started even with Gloria. And by the time I got to the church, I recognized how bad it was. So I phoned her and I said, Gloria, you need to bring your cover girl. <laughs> and for those guys that don't know what that is, that's, that's makeup that covers blemishes. So I actually put some on the end of my nose and... Um, it made it worse. It looked, then it looked, really looked like I had a red nose. So um, I, I bring that up. I say all that just to, in case there's some of you who are noticing that red dot on the end of my, my nose. I just want to sort of like explain it to you so you don't sort of get fixated on it and you'll hear what I'm saying for the rest of the service. But we're starting a brand new series today called Christmas Presents. And here's what I know about Christmas uh, because we've got a family of five we know that it can be a very stressful time of the year. There's decorating that needs to be done. There's uh, planning, and there's lists that need to be made, and there's grocery shopping, and there's gift shopping, and there's sorting out what to do with all the family on, on my side and on Gloria's side and, and friends in between. And, and there's, uh, there's Christmas banquets and pageants and functions and parties to go to. Um, and then on top of that, there's church and a Christmas Eve service and on, so on and so forth. And it can be a very, very stressful time of the year. In fact, here's what I know, uh, and, and anybody can Google this and discover this for themselves. This time of the year tends to be the, the worst time of the year for so many people. More depression, more suicides, uh, there's, uh, there's more family fights, more domestic violence. And uh, hello, <laughs> Uh, it's, a, it's a difficult time of the year. And so here's, here's what I want to do. I want us to get, get on track and stay on track. Because if you're coming into the Christmas season and you're exhausted and worn out and stressed out, then uh, it's only going to get worse. So what we need to do, the beginning of this new series on, called Christmas Presents, is we need to get back on track and get focused and make sure that we stay focused so that we don't... Uh, become one of the statistics and end up in the hospital uh, having killed somebody because we didn't get the drumstick, if you know what I'm saying. So here's the thing. You'll notice that we're, some of you sharp ones will notice this, we're calling it Christmas presents. And how many know that Christmas presents is not the same as Christmas presents? Christmas presents spelled with T-S on the end as opposed to C-E. What we're talking about is the very presence of God and how to maintain the presence of God in our lives. 
so that we don't find ourselves flying off the handle and finding ourselves in, in, a, in a desperate situation. And men, is it ever tempting to forget that Jesus Christ is the reason for this season? It's a sad irony, in fact, that the very one that we're supposed to be celebrating is the one that seems to be causing so much grief. God forbid, God forbid that that would be the case for any one of us. And so... Um, Here's what, I, here's what I want us to do this morning. I want us to, to stop and consider for a moment that more important than the Christmas presents that we all like to get at Christmas time is the actual presence of our God. And what does that presence look like? How do we know that we have the presence of God? Well, for starters, you're going to be peaceful. And so that's the qu- first question I ask. Do you have do you have that peace in your heart right now? That, that sense of well-being, that everything's okay and everything's going to be okay. Do you have that sense of joy in your heart? And everybody knows what joy is? And some are like, mm-hmm, I know what joy is. Okay, so can I just remind everybody that the evidence that you have joy in your heart is somehow your face knows about it and kind of expresses it. And so just so that we can kind of practice this, this sense of joy. Can I actually get you to smile at the person beside you? It's, I know it's, I'm asking a lot of you. And, and for some of you, you haven't smiled for months. And so that, really, that was really painful, wasn't it? I mean, you're, you're using muscles you weren't normally using. But the fact of the matter is, is that if you're experiencing the presence of God in your life, then you've got peace, a sense of well-being. Everything's okay. Everything's cool. You're not stressed out. You've got joy in your heart. You've got a smile on your face. And even more important than that, folks, is that you really sense that God really, really loves you. He really cares about you. Not because you're necessarily really good, but just because he loves you. It's because who he, it's who he is. And anyone who is dwelling in the presence of God and enjoying his presence will sense that love. And the amazing thing about it all is that not only do you sense and feel the love of God, but you find yourself loving the people around you. The people that really maybe annoy you, you find yourself loving them and caring about them. This is what the presence of God is all about. So for the next four weeks, what we want to do is we want to talk about the ways that we can maintain the presence of God and maintain that sense of peace, that sense of joy, that sense of the love of God. How do we keep it? Well, I'm going to begin this morning by just talking to you about how you can experience and have the best Christmas ever. How many would like to know how to have the best Christmas ever? Just sort of wink at me or nod, and I'll know that you're on board with this. So here's how you do it. Here's how to have the best Christmas ever. The very first thing you need to do is you need to embrace Jesus, the Savior, and then not let him go. Let's talk about that. Embracing Jesus. Some of you uh, will remember some of the great announcements that you've maybe heard in the media on radio or TV. How many remember 9-11? You remember, how many remember that morning, where you were, who, who you were with? You remember that. And it came over the TV. We didn't have any television. Uh, I mean, we didn't have cable at the time. We had what they call farmer's TV. And that's where, like, I, I was listening to it on the radio, and I ran and found a coat hanger and pulled the TV out and got the thing hooked up to the back of the TV, and I could, we could actually watch 
the horrifying sight of those airplanes hitting the Twin Towers. What a, what a horrible day. But an announcement you'll never forget. How many remember when the Berlin Wall came down in 1989? That's dating some of us. You remember that day. And I, Gloria and I were in Greece at the time, and we were listening to the Voice of America. That's all we could get in English. And we were listening to, to the details of how that, how that wall that separated the East from the West some called it the Iron Curtain. We listened to how that wall was being torn down, and everybody understood the significance of that moment. We knew that that was signaling the end of communism. It was a great announcement, a thrilling announcement. Everybody remembers that. And, of course, the most important announcements we've heard in a long time is that Kate and Will are going to have a baby. We all know how important that is. In our household, it is anyway, at least to two people in our household, the girls. Remember when Kate and Will got engaged? Remember when they got married? Remember when they announced they were pregnant with their first child? Remember when the first child was born? And the first child that was born by Kate and Will, his name is? Thank you, ladies. There's no man here that knows that. Oh, there's a few guys. Okay, good, good. Okay, I'm, I'm amazed you admitted that. Uh, <laughs> and then, of course, there's another pregnancy. We all know about that. These announcements that's, that are important, and some maybe not that important. I want to share with you the greatest announcement of all time. No amount announcement in the history of mankind is as important and as, as thrilling as this. Look what it says here in Matthew chapter 1, verse 23. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means, say it? Emmanuel means God is with us. The greatest announcement of all. Now, for some people, they think, you know, Jesus came to this earth. He surfaced as a great man, a great teacher, doing good things. And, and so some people have the notion or the idea that a religion was built around this amazing teacher. He happened to be a great teacher, and so therefore a religion was built around him. So you could not be further from the truth if you think that. Because what we recognize here in this announcement is actually a fulfillment of an ancient prophecy that we find in the book of Isaiah in the Old Testament. Look what it says here, Isaiah 7, 14. Look, it's almost exactly the same words. The virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son and will call him, say it, Emmanuel, which means God is with us. Look at that. The ancient fulfillment, a fulfillment of an ancient promise that God himself would come and dwell with us. Now, for some of us, we maybe don't fully appreciate or understand the significance of this. Why is this the greatest announcement of all time? Why is it important? Well, I'll tell you why. Because for the first time in the history of humanity, of mankind, God came and he dwelt among us. In fact, in the book of John, the very first chapter, you know what it says? It says that Jesus actually came and he pitched his tent among us. He, he, he set up his tent next door to your tent or your house next, he set up his house next door to your house. This is, this is the, the message 
that the evangelists, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, are trying to get across to us. God is with us. He's not out there somewhere inaccessible. He's with us. His presence is here. Now, what you don't maybe understand is that once God set up his presence among us, once God was with us, we'd never again be without him. In fact, that's exactly what Jesus said. He said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. So today, here's what I want everybody here to know. You're not alone. If you have reached out to Jesus, if you have invited Jesus into your life, then the promise is yours. He will always be with you. When you're going through your difficult times, he's there. When when you're going through your financial problems, he's there. When you feel alone, he's there. When you feel overwhelmed by temptation, when you feel like you've failed and you've dropped the ball and you've let God down, he's still there. He's promised to never leave you or forsake you. He's Emmanuel, God with us. And here's the amazing thing, folks. There's nothing that you can do that's going to stop God from being God. Nothing that you can do that's going to stop him from being who he is. He's Emmanuel. And even when you are failing and messing up, making mistakes, he's there. Now, I need to share with you something else from the book of Matthew. Because because the evangelist Matthew, first of all, reveals to us that Jesus is not just the God who's with us, but look at this in Matthew 121. It says, she will give birth to a son. Is that up there, Matthew 121? She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name, say it, Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Now, what does the name Jesus mean? We know that one of Jesus' names is Emmanuel, but what's his other name? It's Jesus. What does it mean? Well, I'm glad you asked that question, because the name Jesus actually is the anglicized version of the, of the name Yeshua. That's the, that would be a, sort of a Hebrew uh, Aramaic name. And listen to this, that, that Yeshua means, again, means Savior. This is who Jesus is. So what we see in Matthew chapter 1 is we see two names for Christ. He is called Emmanuel, which is God with us, and his name is Jesus, which means Savior. So watch this. When we put it together, we discover this about Jesus. He is the one who is always with us, saving us. Now, let the Spirit of God speak to your heart right now. Because some people have this notion or this idea that God will sometimes maybe come into your life and help you through a hard time, and, and, but most of the time he's distant and he's inaccessible. Nothing can be further from the truth. Here's what you need to know. Whatever it is that you're going through, whatever struggle you're dealing with, whatever pain, whatever suffering you're going through, God knows about it, and he's with you to help you through it. Jesus is not just a one-time Savior where, you know, you say that prayer, oh, God, save me for my sins, forgive me, and make me fit for heaven, and God saves you, and then you, you don't, he didn't talk to you again. No, listen to this. Listen. It's day by day, moment by moment. So when you're struggling and going through a difficult time and you just don't know how you're going to get through it, guess what? He's there. And all you have to do is say his name, Jesus, help me, and he's there. He's there. Every single time, every single moment. Jesus. 
Now, I'm going to tell you right now, uh, those of you who've been in the doctrines class, you'll remember the phrase, the now and the not yet. And you need to understand this phrase because it will help you unlock the New Testament. It'll help you unlock how God operates in our lives. God has, if you're a Christian today, God has saved you. And as far as God's concerned, you're in the family and you're going to heaven and all is well. But look at this. That's now, but there's a not yet aspect to this. Because you're still on this earth, you're still failing, you're still sinning, you're still making mistakes, you're still messing up, and you still are letting God down. At least that's what you think. And so here's what, here's what you need to understand. Is that as far as God's concerned, you are saved. But here's the thing. You are also being saved. It's a process of transformation, a process that God has begun in you the day that you asked Jesus into your life. So here's what I know right now, is that you are right now in the process of being saved. God is helping you through whatever it is that you're going through. What is the struggle you're facing? What's the difficulty? What's the problem? What's the pain? What's the failure that you're going through? Here's what I know about Jesus, who is the Savior. He's gonna help you through it. In fact, he's not gonna help you through it, just help you through it. He's not gonna leave you while he's helping you through it. He said, Pastor Alan, you don't know my situation. I have messed up. I have dropped the ball. I have failed God. I have failed my wife. I failed my kids. I failed my husband. I failed my boss. I am just a, a miserable failure. And you know what Jesus says? Here's what Jesus says. I know that, but I still love you, and I'm not gonna let you go. I'm gonna help you through whatever it is that you're going through. That's our Savior. That's Jesus. That's our Emmanuel. He's promised never to leave you. I want to say this. For most of us, the idea that we need saving, that's kind of a foreign idea to those of us in the West because life is pretty good here. We got it good. And how many would say, yeah, we got it pretty good in the West? If you, if you don't understand that, then I would invite you to come with us on a trip to the Philippines or to some of the many places that we go to, and you'll see how good we've got it here in North America. And so the idea that we need saving is kind of like, well, yeah, whatever. You know, that's you know, for those, you know, those wacky uh, Christians, those people that need a crutch, you know, we'll let them, let them have their, you know, their wacky Christ, religion or whatever. This idea we need, a, we need help is foreign to us. But I'm going to tell you this. That to the people in the, day that Je- in the times that Jesus was born, they really understood it. I'll tell you why. Because at that time, Israel was being ruled by the cruel Romans. And they were treated horrendously. They were, they were hardly making it from day to day. It was very, very difficult times. Man, these people, the time that Jesus was born, they really, really knew how much they need saving. It's interesting to me how often, for so many of us, it really takes us going through really, really hard times before we recognize that we need help. Can I just say this? I don't recommend you wait till you get to that place. These poor Jewish people in the time of Jesus' birth, they were taxed between 30 and 50% of their income. And then on top of that, the guys that were collecting the taxes, they were, they were accepting bribes and extortion, and there was blackmail. And life was just hideous for these poor people. And then suddenly, suddenly they get wind that a Savior has been born. 
And so finally, for the first time in many people's lives, they finally have a sense of hope that maybe, just maybe, God will be able to help them through. Again, let the Spirit of God speak to your heart because here's what I know. Everybody here is facing something or another. And I'm telling you today that the whole point of this Christian faith of ours is that you don't have to face whatever it is that you're facing alone. That's what Christmas is about, is that there's someone who has come to us by the name of Jesus. He's a Savior. He wants to save you and help you with whatever it is that you're going through right now. And that you don't have to do it alone because his name is also Emmanuel. God with us. God with us. Folks, that's really what it means to embrace Jesus is that you embrace this Jesus who says, I want to save you, I want to help you, I want to take you through whatever it is, whatever struggle you're going through, I want to help you through it. Now, doesn't it make sense to embrace this Jesus? And I know for some of us, you, you can remember the day back to 10 years ago, 20 years ago, when you were in Sunday school at camp, and you just, you know, you, the pastor, the preacher said, would anybody like to give their heart to Jesus? And you did that, and it felt really good at the time, but it's been a long time since you've really embraced Jesus. Folks, the, the beginning of this series on Christmas presents is all about an invitation for every one of us to come back to Jesus and embrace him with our whole heart. Not just half-heartedly, but wholeheartedly. I'll never forget that day. It was two years ago this December, Wayne. I got a, a phone call from my friend Wayne Sanker sitting there in the, about the fifth row. And he was getting ready to go in for open heart surgery. And uh, I got this phone call. I, had, I really didn't know that. I knew that he needed the surgery. I knew that it, was, it could happen at any time. But I got a phone call from him. And, and uh, he says, I, I just, I just want to know that I'm not alone, that God is with me. Remember that, Wayne? I'll, I'll never forget it. I'm, uh, it's one of those announcements. And we prayed together. And Wayne said, as soon as we prayed, he just felt a real peace. And after that, he's been in church every Sunday after that. He's become our friend and is part of our small group now. He told me that he used to get picked up by the Sunday school bus at Calvary Temple. He, he discovered God when he was younger, but it took something like open heart surgery for him to be turned back, to be reminded of how much he needs a Savior, to be assured that he's not alone, that God can get him through. And God did. And we celebrate next week, don't we? Folks, listen to me. God does not want you to face whatever you have to face all on your own. That's the whole point of Christianity, is that he loves you. He's a loving God who wants to embrace you even as he invites you to embrace him. So if you want to have the best Christmas ever, then it's going to start by embracing Jesus Christ and embracing him as soon as possible. And if you've never embraced Jesus, man, it's time to do it. And if you've wandered away from Jesus, can, you, can I just remind you, Jesus didn't move. It's still the same place. You're the one that moved. And he's calling you, come on back. Come on back. Some of us don't want to come back because we're afraid we're going to get in trouble, Right? 
you know, you, you messed up, you, did what your, you didn't do what your dad wanted you to do, and you just, it's better just to stay out of his sight so you don't get in trouble. That's, that's not God. God loves you. And the Bible says there's no condemnation, there's no judgment. But there's just a loving father with his arms open wide saying, come on back, my child. Come back where you belong. Embrace Jesus. But there's, there's something else you got to do. Once you've embraced him, because this is what we do, we, we embrace him and then all of a sudden we get comfortable and then we forget. Once you've embraced him, then folks, what you got to do is you, you got to be careful not to let go. You've got to, and I'm going to share with you in just a moment how you're going to maintain that embrace so that you don't fall back. You don't lose sight of Jesus. I remember the first time I ever got lost. I was actually, I think I must have been around four or five years old, very young. And here's how, here's, here's how old I am. It was at the Zellers on Henderson Highway. And I don't think there's a Zellers there anymore. I think now it's, I don't know what it is, but there used to be a Zellers there. And my, my parents always, you know, stay, stick with us, keep your eye on us, don't wander away. How many remember hearing parents say, don't stay, but hold my hand, don't let go of my hand. And we're walking through Zellers, and all of a sudden, uh, the toy section opened up in front of me. And toys, I, I mean, I'm, I'm in heaven now. And I suddenly forgot about my mother and my father and, and, and my I forgot about everybody because there before me are toys. Toys that lit up and made noises and moved on their own. And I completely forgot about my parents and I kind of went into this toy trance. Having a ball. And then all of a sudden I became aware of the fact that I was alone. I didn't have the presence of my mother and my father. And I was scared out of my mind. In fact, I don't mind telling you that I cried like a little girl. I screamed. I yelled. I started running up and down the aisles looking for my, my mom and my... I couldn't find them anywhere. And then finally, I heard over the intersection my name. Over, what did I say? Over the intercom. I'm thinking of the aisles and Zellers, <laughs> the intersection of toys and housewares. I'm, I hear my name, and I come, Alan, Alan Dunkav, come to the inf information desk. What, what four-year-old knows what information desk is? <laughs> so now I'm really concerned because I think I'm in really big trouble because somewhere out there, the whole God and everybody knows I'm lost, and it's my fault because I let my, got my eyes off my parents. And so I'm running and screaming up and down the aisle trying to find my folks. And then finally, a very, very large lady came along and scooped me up. And now I thought, oh, I'm dead now. <laughs> and I started kicking her and shouting, put me down, put me down. And finally, in her kindness, she brought me to the information desk where my parents were waiting and where I was comforted by my parents. I share this with you because I think that some of us are there right now 
we're yelling and screaming and running up and down the aisles and we're lost and we just are in trouble. And what you need is you need a very large lady to come along and scoop you up and bring you back to the Father. Well, that would be me today. That's my job. That's what this message is about this morning. I want to scoop you up and bring you back to the Father who will lovingly protect you and help you and keep you safe. When we went to Egypt back in 2009, Egypt kind of freaked me out, I'm just going to tell you. It's like, it did not feel safe there. Of all the places I've been to in the world, that was a place I did not feel safe, and I probably will never go back to it unless God tells me to. We, I thought, I'm going to take up the rear, make sure, keep an eye on everybody, keep an eye on the family. And we all filed out of the bus. I was the last one out of the bus. And we're on our way to the, to, to the pyramid because to, to, we're going to go into the pyramid and take a look. We get off the bus, and I see everybody's ahead of us. I start, one, two, three, four, keeping track of everybody. But I can't see Nicholas anywhere. And I, I got panicky. I started looking around. I started yelling. I ran ahead, tried to catch up with Gloria and the kids. And where's Nicholas? And then all of a sudden around the corner comes Nicholas riding on a camel. <laughs> and he's got this look on his face like. <laughs> and I yelled, Nicholas, get off that camel right now. And get down here and don't. He said, Dad, I don't know how, I, I don't know how this happened. He was magically transported. He was one minute beside the bus, next minute he's on a camel. It turns out that the Egyptian salespeople are very, very good at their job. And somehow, he, poor kid got off the bus and, you know, camel, yeah. squirrel, camel. And they... Invited him to get on. Well, listen, this, they figured that once he got on the camel, then we would have to pay this guy. I was so mad. <laughs> I just, get off that camel, and I told that driver, that camel driver, buzz off. As Christian as it could be about the whole thing. Now, listen. How is it that Nicholas lost the presence of his parents? Because he was distracted. I'm going to tell you, this is exactly how you and I lose the presence of God. That glorious sense, remember the presence, peace and joy and love? How do we lose that? As easily as Nicholas got distracted and thought, oh, camel. Oh, where's dad? It's that easy, folks. And some of us right now are at that place. We've been distracted by the things of this life. We're distracted by our job, by our cares and our problems and our worries. And the last thing that we've been doing has been calling out to God. We've been sort of looking to ourselves. Some of us are just downright disobedient. We've, we're doing what we know we're not supposed to be doing. We've run from God. i got to tell you that... It wasn't so much that I was angry at Nicholas as that I was worried about him. I was afraid. I want you to know something about your Father in Heaven. Is that sometimes he does discipline us. But it's not because he hates us or because he's angry at us, but it's because he loves us and wants to keep us safe. 
He wants to protect us. He wants us to learn what it means to stay in his presence. The question is this, is how do we maintain that presence? How do we embrace Jesus and then how do we never let him go? I'll tell you how. It's, well, it's the reason why we introduced to you the seven habits. And I want to remind you of those habits that are life-changing. And the first habit that is life-changing, folks, is maintaining a daily walk with God, whereby God talks to you and you talk to God. You say, well, is that possible? Yeah. We talk to God every time we pray, and God talks to us every time we open the book and read. This is why the second habit is you've got to go to church. You've got to spend time with other brothers and sisters. Because the Bible says that wherever two or more are gathered together in his name, he's there. You want to experience the presence of God? Go hang out with some brothers and sisters in Christ, and Jesus will be there. It's why we tell you to go to small groups. Don't ever, ever give up on that. Because again, it's there that you experience the presence of God. I want to share with you in closing just a, a very powerful passage of scriptures from Hebrews chapter 13, verses 5 to 6. And here's what, here's what the writer of Hebrews says. He says, keep your lives free from the love of money and be content. Be content with what you have because God has said, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. So we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? What can mere mortals do to me? I want you to know today that you, if you've given your heart to Christ and you have embraced him, here's what I can tell you for sure. God will never, ever forget about you. He will never let you down. Things might not go the way you want them to go, but I can promise you this, that God will walk with you through whatever it is, whatever struggle, whatever problem you may be going through because he loves you, because you're precious to him. And folks, this is really what Christmas is all about. It's all about celebrating the love of a Savior whose name is Emmanuel, God with us, our Savior, who wants to help you get through whatever it is that you're going through. I'm going to ask you to stand with me, please, because we're going to pray. And I want to give you a moment right now, because I know that some maybe are disconnected and maybe feeling a little distant from God. I want you to take a moment to get reconnected. So I'm going to pray. And everyone's eyes are closed. No one's looking around. But if you just really need a fresh touch from God and, and, and maybe you, felt like, you feel like you've maybe let go of the embrace of Jesus, You're, you haven't been holding on tight, I would just invite you just to lift your hand to the Lord. Say, God, I want to get reconnected. I want to stay connected. I want to know your presence. I want to know that love and that peace and that joy. As I pray, just lift your hand to God and say, God, I want a fresh touch from you. And I can promise you that he will be near to you, nearer than anybody ever could be. Let's pray 
And if you want that fresh touch from God this morning, lift your hand to him. Father, thank you for your presence here. Thank you, God, for what you want to do in our hearts and lives. God, we freely admit that we are so weak and, and so easily distracted by the things of this world that we drift away and we, we're not embracing you the way we ought to. And so, God, we want to return to you with a, with, with a, a heart that's it's full of an awareness that we need saving, we need help. So, God, would you do a special work in the hearts of all those who have lifted their hands to you? God, would you, would you move in and, and refresh and strengthen? And would you bring to, to the hearts of each one, Lord, the, the brand new joy and excitement at the realization that God is with them through every single little thing they're going through, whether big or small. God, you want each one to know how much you really love them and how much you really care. And so we commit ourselves to you, Lord, especially at the beginning of this Christmas season, which threatens to rock our world. We just want to stay focused. We want to stay stay centered. We want to continue to know your love and your peace and your joy in 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 our hearts. So we commit ourselves to you now, thanking you in Jesus' name. And everyone said it. Tell the person beside you, keep your eyes on Jesus.